Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Our guest this half hour is Belita Ong, chairman or chair of Dalton Investments, to discuss the latest on markets. And Belita, we just had a supersized rate increase from the Reserve Bank of New Zealand, 75 basis points. But do you have a sense that the Fed might be ready to pivot to a slower pace of rate increases? Hello, Paul. It's good to be back on. Um, yes, I think that the uh, indications the Fed's receiving are giving them the room to reduce their uh, interest rate hikes to 50 basis points. I don't know whether it will be 50 basis points, but they certainly have room now because it's clear that the higher interest rates have slowed down housing and uh, that there is weakness in other numbers uh, in the economy as well. So I believe the Fed has room to do so. Um, the Fed, I believe, has been extremely consistent in its messaging, which is that the inflation rates now are still too high, well above the 2% target they have, and therefore they need to remain vigilant. And the one thing they look for is this um, expect- expectation of inflation because it affects wage increases. And the market's currently pricing in something like um, um, a 5% interest rate going forward, which I think is probably where they'll get to and possibly pause at to see how the economy develops from there. Yeah, so um, we, there is obviously a lag effect as these policy changes work their way through the system. But if we downshift to these smaller size rate increases, does that increase your confidence that uh, perhaps the Fed can stick that soft landing that they're looking for? Let's hope. Uh, and if they don't, though, it's not the end of the world. It's a little bit more pain in the near term. But then typically, if you have a harsher downturn, uh, you have a stronger rebound. So either way, I think we're uh, in for a slowdown in the economy and then some sort of a rebound, hopefully, if nothing else goes wrong in the world, which it could. In terms of uh, the US dollar, then, uh, I know this is probably building your case for dollar weakness. You see 2023 as the year things go backwards for the greenback. Uh, How weak and how fast do you think it could get? The dollar is very strong right now, uh, and I think particularly against the yen. Uh, when you look at purchasing power parity, the yen is supposed to trade at something like 118 against the dollar, and it's 140s. So the the, the dollar is extremely uh, strong, and it's to be expected given the level of uncertainty in the world, which will continue. The other reason the dollar is strong is because the U.S. market is actually a reasonable place to be invested. The uh, European markets are difficult because of the ongoing uncertainty with uh, Russia and Ukraine. And Asia is slowing down because the largest trading partner all the countries have is China, which is slowing down. So it's not just that 
the uncertainty in the world is causing dollar strength is also because the U.S. economy and market markets actually are strong. So perhaps the dollar will weaken, but I don't see a sharp decline anytime soon. The leader, our last guest, uh, had a preference for fixed income over equities. But um, what are you looking for in terms of opportunity in the equities market? We are a equity investor. <clears throat> we don't have a mandate to invest in fixed income specifically. And so uh, while uh, we think that, that fixed income is becoming more attractive, it's not an option for us in most of our mandates. Um, that said, we actually believe that the time will come maybe quite soon when there will be opportunities in distressed fixed income in the states. Um, and that, that may well be broken deals in the private equity sector as well. So we think there is opportunity there already and that there will be more in the coming 12 months or so. Do you believe we've found the flaw in equities? And I'm thinking particularly like markets like the NASDAQ, which have come off a very, very long way and arguably were perhaps in bubble territory not so long ago. You know, the thing about um, predicting turnarounds is that it's very difficult. So we try not to do it. We try to avoid doing so. And so we invest one company at a time. And um, when the opportunities are there to buy good companies in our estimation at bargain prices, um, we do so. And we find that's the best way to stay out of trouble and preserve the capital entrusted to us by our clients. Um, so to answer your question, I don't know that uh, we've reached a bottom. I would hope so. But in fact, I don't think the U.S. market is really dirt cheap. Um, it's certainly not as cheap as uh, uh, some other markets around the world. Japan, for instance, I think is much cheaper and uh, it has uh, better prospects going forward, I believe. Um, how about markets in China? Because we did see something of a rebound as we got uh, you know, what seemed to be the first suggestions of a possible end to COVID zero, but uh, that policy really being put to the test. Uh, we just had another 28,183 new COVID cases for Tuesday. Do you think uh, Chinese equities can withstand what's coming? China is going to be a bumpy ride as it emerges, uh, emerges out of this uh, COVID lockdown. It's uh, The direction is good because it means that um, there'll be a freer flow of uh, goods and people and uh, hopefully an improvement to world trade because China is still the factory of the world and um, lockdowns there in factories is extremely harmful to global trade. Um, as far as opportunities in China, um, it's been made clear by the government that they want to promote common prosperity and they do not encourage very large, very successful companies like uh, Alibaba and Ant Financial. So the place to be in China, I believe, is the small mid-sized companies that are providing services and goods that um, support this common prosperity lifestyle. For Dalton, it's a very difficult place for us to invest in. We look for companies managed by uh, people, entrepreneurs, whose interests are aligned with ours. And in China, many of the companies are run for the purpose of achieving policy. Um, be it uh, political policy, employment policy, or some sort of social goal. And so for us, it's very difficult. Also, the um, risks tend to be binary. For instance, in the private tutoring space, you know, one day it was a great business and the next day it was gone. So China for us has been an underweight. And most recently, it's actually a place where we don't invest in anymore. Uh, I'm not saying it's uninvestable, but for us, uh, it doesn't suit the way we, we invest. You're not at all concerned that you could miss out on what could be the growth story of 2023? We have missed out during the growth period in China, uh, but it's more important to us to invest the way we know how. 
and the way we've invested the entire history of our firm, um, we would have to see a, diff a, a different way forward than just investing in the circumstances as they are today. Um, and, and it might it might emerge, but right now there's uh, no clear way for us to invest in China. Very quickly, uh, you like these well-run companies with a good story to tell. Uh, Ten seconds or so, give us a couple of investment ideas. Sure. So in uh, Japan, there's a company called Rinai, which makes uh, um, gas uh, uh, energy-efficient gas heaters. And it's a global company. It's uh, trading at something like six times mm -hmm. EV to EBITDA, which is very cheap. Mm -hmm. The bulk of its uh, profits comes from repeated business, and that would be a great company to invest All in. All right. Belita Rong, Chair of Dalton Investments, thanks for joining us. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.